One thing I've noticed is that nice guys are cheap as F. Okay. They don't like to spend money on themselves and their relationship with money is oftentimes pretty chaotic. Hi, I'm Chuck Chapman and I'm here today with my co-host Faisal and Ari and we're going to talk about nice guys, their relationship with money and why they're so damn cheap. I think part of what keeps nice guys stuck in the cycle of being a nice guy is that they don't have an abundance mindset. There's this sort of lack mindset, this idea that there just isn't enough to go around. And, and so what that does is they, they kind of get into this hoarding mentality where they keep everything close. And as a result of that, they're not really that generous. And when you're not a generous person, well, people pick up on that. And I've also noticed that a lot of men that I've worked with, they may have money, they may make good money, but their relationship with money and their relationship with what they choose to invest in themselves, oftentimes they're the ones that come in last. And so I just, it's just something that I've noticed. And I thought we could talk about that today, you guys, and see like, what has your experience been working with? Cause we all work with nice guys. Do you find that the nice guys that you work with are cheap or have kind of poor relationships with money or am I getting this all wrong? What do you guys think? Faisal, let's start with you. Chuck, uh, this is a quite a, I would say a sensitive topic and it's a really important topic you chosen there. When, when I saw the, the document about, you know, cheap as fuck, nice guys, I thought, oh, wow, this is, it brought up a lot of shame. Uh, around this topic as well, because um, well, I grew up in Pakistan. I didn't have, you know, we were, came from a very poor family. We didn't have a lot of money at all. You know, we lived in one big house um, with multiple families in it. So we just had a one room to share. And I remember when we moved to the UK, we again lived in one whole family, just lived in one kind of room. So money wasn't abundant around us. And, uh, I remember there was a point where um, my sister was saving up this hula hoop packet. And because luxuries were, you know, like, you know, like uh, sweets and chocolates, like big luxury, big deal for us. She kept this hula hoop packet for a week, last a whole week. And I remember <laughs> she said, uh, his mouse came along and ate her um, <laughs> you know, half of the packet. It was, it was devastating for her. For Is her. that a candy? I have no idea what it's, a hula hoop. It's a uh, crisp uh, or chips, as you call it, guys call it in America, chips. Okay. So pack of chips. And my father was very good at uh, being a provider, but also he had two sides to him. And he had the side where he was super generous, always, you know, provided for everybody else. But there was another side to him that was super tight, super cheap. And even something that cost pennies or cents, as you would call it, it, it could be a big deal for him. So I kind of picked up some of those fearful mindset as well. So there was a lot of points in my life where you know money has been tricking. So I'm really looking forward to like really going into some of the things that I've seen in myself, some of the things that you know my father projected and also some of the stuff I see in nice guys as well. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Ari? What was your experience like? You know, I, I come from a, a fairly well-off family. So I think 
I grew up feeling that money was abundant enough. Um, but I, I think that's caused other problems for me. I think I, I, it's made me feel like there was always a backup from my parents mm -hmm. in case of an emergency. So I have a little shame about saying that, but um, that that's made me less careful with money, sometimes spending too much, um, so, you know, often not saving enough. So th those are things that I've had to work on in myself. And I, I don't think nice guys are um, across the board cheap. I think that that can be part of what they deal with, but it, it can also be um, just, it, it could be overspending. It could be um, spending on wasteful things, or th you know, things that fill them up in kind of a superficial way. Um, you know, it could be expensive clothes, could be expensive trips, but it, it doesn't really uh, give them a, a rich life so I, I think it's a it's a mixed bag. I, I think um, I think nice guys shortchange themselves. So it it might be in how they spend their money, but it also might be in how they spend their time and energy. Um, that there's always some ways that they don't value themselves and don't put themselves first. To me, that that's one of the the common threads with nice guys. It's, it isn't purely about money. I think what I've what I've kind of come to realize is that when we talk about feminine and masculine energy, that money is feminine energy, and that our relationship with money is often correlates with our relationship with the feminine. So if we feel like the feminine is elusive or the feminine is scarce or the feminine is chaotic, you know, unmanageable, those kind of things, then we're going to have a similar kind of relationship with money. And the way I kind of came to this conclusion was when I was, I don't know, 14, 15, I was at a church summer camp. And at the end of the camp was a, uh, a dinner where the boys could invite a girl to sit with them at dinner time. So this is like a big deal. And we all got dressed up and everything. Well, there's the girl that all week long I had been kind of like making eye contact with every time we'd walk by, I'd kind of look at her and she'd look at me and all my friends were like, Oh, she thinks you're cute and everything. And, and so it came to the night of this dinner and I am so terrified of asking her because I'm terrified of rejection. I'm standing there. And it's literally all the kids have gone in and it's just me and her standing there. And she's obviously just waiting for me to ask her. To, and finally, I'm like, you want to go eat with me? You know, and it was such an anxious, anxiety provoking thing. A few years later, I'm in my 20s and I'm standing at an ATM machine. And I'm having the exact same feeling. I wonder if I have enough money in my account. Like, you know, this is back when you could withdraw like $5 at a time. <laughs> it's like, okay, and I can either take out, you know, $5 and clear out my account or, you know, do I you know, not do the thing I want to do. And I, it was kind of there that I started to realize that my relationship with money is feminine. 
And, and, and that's what I've found with a lot of the nice guys that I work with is that the, the cheapness isn't necessarily like they won't spend money, but it's that they have a relationship with money that's very much in line with their relationship with the feminine. So how they perceive the feminine is oftentimes how they perceive, or it might be, okay, you know, I've got to lock her down. I've got to hoard her. I've got to keep, keep her, keep her happy. So when I was thinking about this topic, that was kind of what was coming to mind for me. Um, I like, I like how you just, uh, you described about hoarding as well. There's, um, there's aspects to the nice guy I see is, you know, with myself and also, you know, I saw this in, you know, men around me in, in my culture as well was it was the fact that we did have money uh, or enough money. And whereas my dad was, he was a, uh, he was a television engineer. He had a full-time job and then he had also a side business just to make sure that there was enough money coming in. He was a great provider. And what I noticed about him was he really had this side to him and he knew that he wasn't afraid of investing. If he could see something was going to go into place that it's going to be, you know, well received and also a good return, he wasn't afraid of investing. Hmm. What I did notice about him and myself is the way I have a link with money, the relationship I have with money is a very anxious relationship. It's, it's a highly anxious relationship and it's a cause for either a lot of pain or a lot of pressure. And what I noticed was there's no in-between. Even the smallest thing, even if it's for cents or penny, it's not the, the, the amount. It's the fact that it causes me pain. I mean, there's sometimes I'm thinking it's only a few pennies, but my psychological and my nervous system is having an adverse reaction to it. So I'm like, I completely shut down. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. It may, something like in a relationship, I could always shut down. You know, we can always build walls to it. Or I'll be, what I notice about myself and what I notice about like nice guys, they're either super tight or super generous. And it depends on where their nervous system is. And also, are they validating something? Are they are they winning, trying to win someone's approval? You know, if they're on a date, they're around with mates. You know what? Let me get this drink. Because you know what? If I get this drink, I'm going to look good. I'm going to be approved. I'm in my emotions. I'm like... What the hell? Let's just go with it. Or on the other spectrum, you want to spend, what, 10 cents on this? No, it's too much. Do you ever find that? Your nervous system plays a huge part. Your nervous system obviously believes, but plays a huge part where uh, where you are and how you spend money. As, as I listen to you talk about it, it's just making me think like um, I, I just have trouble setting boundaries around my spending. I mean, I... Not where I'm falling apart, but um, just, you know, smaller things like just like my son wants to order his favorite barbecue takeout. And it's just, you know, all that takeout adds up and it's it's easy. And, you know, we've had a long day. I don't I don't want to I don't want to cook something. So it's just like it. I'm not setting good enough boundaries, which I think is part of that masculine being in your masculine energy is being able to um, say no to yourself or kind of look at the big picture of, of, of your money each month. So, so if 
following a budget has been a challenge for me. Um, and and how, I think how there are you with, how are you with setting boundaries with women? Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think, um, historically I, I've had a lot of trouble setting boundaries with women, you know, mm -hmm. like when I look back at, at my marriage, you know, I, I felt like I was willing to, to say yes. Cause, cause I was walking on eggshells. Like we were talking about before, you know, it's just like, what can I do to appease her or accommodate her? Um, so I, I wasn't really setting boundaries or, or checking in with myself. And so I, I'm, I'm realizing, I think I, I do that to some extent with, with my son, even, you know, it, it's, it's hard to say no. So I, I'm, I'm still building those internal boundaries. I confess. Yeah. You know, right now I think boundaries Chuck, are huge. Chuck, when you asked that question about boundaries, I was just thinking about, so Aris talked about boundaries and what I came was like either I hold on too tight or I'm like completely let go. Mm -hmm. Like, fuck it. I'm, I'm on a trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just max it out. There's no temperance. There's no like balance with it. It's like either one way or the other way. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, one of the things that happened for me, I think growing up was, you know, again, I grew up in a very religious household and, and so I was taught you know, from the Bible that it said, you know, money is the root of all evil. You can't love God and money. And then the correlation was that of that was that the adulterous woman will try to take you away. Right. And so the correlation between these two things of these, the feminine is evil, essentially is kind of, was kind of the, the, and you need to be aware of the feminine because she will entice you away from you know, your, your, your religion or whatever. And, and, and so it becomes a thing of where you're fearful of the feminine, going back to what you were saying, Faisal, I think that nervous system piece where when I'm faced with something, there's something in my nervous system that kind of comes up this past weekend, I was, my printer went out. <clears throat> and so I needed to find a new printer and I, was spending way, way too much time trying to find a printer that was on sale, you know, and, and, and one that was like $10 cheaper, you know, than this other one. And, but this one had did what I wanted it to do. And this one didn't, but it was $10 cheaper and kind of going back and forth on that. And I was just like, finally, I was like, Oh my God, here we go again. Like, just make a decision, Chuck, you know, buy the one you want, the one that you want, you know, it's not going to, so, you know, essentially that's what I did, but that kind of thing comes up for me a lot, this indecisiveness. And I think that same thing happens with nice guys, especially in their relationship with this idea of like their indecisiveness of whether they're going to go all in, whether they go out, whether they think they can find something better, whether they can, you know, they're just settling all these kind of things that go along in their nervous system. And that's where the correlation, I think, between money and the feminine starts to become more and more obvious as you start to think about it. And I think that's something that nice guys can, once they become consciously aware of it, you know, then we can start to work on that. And like you said, Ari, around setting boundaries, setting limitations, making a choice, you know, am I doing this because I'm trying to impress people or am I doing this because this is something I actually want? You know, do I want to be generous or am I hoping to get, you know, her, 
to go to bed with me or something. You know, if I spend a bunch of money on dinner, then maybe she's going to, you know, want to have sex with me more. Have you ever noticed that, um, you know, when you were saying about the printer as well, um, I noticed that sometimes, you know, we can end up compromising as well. We're not always getting something that we want, thinking, well, you know, we follow our head, either we follow our head too much, we follow our heart too much. It's like, oh, blowing too, we'll just get the best on this one. Or, or you know, or sometimes I find, depending on where I am, if I'm in scarce mode, I'll just end up compromising, compromising. And then a bit like, you know, when you keep giving, keep giving to friends or women or dates or something like that, then you end up in this place of resentment. You know, I've given to everybody else. I've probably, you know, I've saved up all this money or I've worked hard for it. And I've given it to people who've asked me some money, borrowed some money. And now I'm at this place where I compromise so much. You know, every, somebody comes along and they just take the best of me. And now I'm resentful. I'm bitter. I'm angry about this. And one of the things I learned about um, when it came to money was when I was going through my divorce. I didn't really imagine how expensive it was going to be. Going through my divorce, I nearly lost my house as well. I mean, I, I was a good provider. I saved up. I was mortgage-free. I got to a place in my life where I didn't have any mortgage on it. I had a, you know, a good house. I had some six figures in, in my bank account. You know, my, my internet business did well at points. And then when the divorce came, there was such a, a like, real test of my attachment to my wealth, what I created. And there I was. I was thinking, I worked so hard. And sacrificed so much. I went without, and now, in an instant, it's gone away. And there you are, enjoying all my wealth, all the stuff I created there. Have no regard to how much I had to sacrifice, and it's easy. You know, it's easy for you, but here I am, and and I find myself going from like the place of hating myself, resentful about it, and then. Realizing, well, I've got to let go. Absolutely. And again, it's a similar kind of thing of like, where do we find resentments at? Okay. Our resentments as from the masculine are often towards the feminine. And so, you know, I'm that, that idea that I'm, because again, it's the masculine, the mask part of the masculine is to, is to do, to give, right. And the feminine receives and we're both masculine and feminine, but if I'm giving, 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 and I don't feel appreciated for it, I feel taken advantage of, that's when the resentment starts to take place. And what we want from the feminine is validation. Oh, you're a good man. You're a good provider. You're good, you know, and, and when we don't receive that, then we start to get resentful. And I think that that's the thing that happens with nice guys in general is that we have a lot of deep-seated resentments towards the feminine <clears throat> that come out in how we interact with all things feminine, whether it's women. I noticed, have you ever noticed that there's a lot of COVID contract when it comes to money as well, or spending money? Mm -hmm. Is, you know, if I spend money with you, if I did this, this is what I unconsciously expect. Mm -hmm. So I saw some of the, you know, the COVID contract was, you know, if I, if I pay for all of this, you know, clear. I remember in, in my relationship, you know, in the past one, I cleared out a debt. I paid for the wedding. I paid for all of this. So therefore, because I put so much of my 
logical micro investment in this emotionally this is what i expect back mm -hmm. you know like fight forever that's it so there was a lot of expectations and i've, and I've done this uh i remember this was like a, a couple of patterns where where i used to give buy things and i i have a covert contract around it whereas now it's like if i'm gonna do this i say to myself is if it doesn't work out the way I want it to work out, are you going to be okay with this? Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to be okay with the fact that, you know, because a lot of guys will go on a date and say, you know, I, I, I went on a date and I spent hundreds of pounds or dollars on this date and I took her to this and I bought this and now she doesn't want to see me. She just wants to friends on me or reject me. She doesn't want to have sex. And that's the point of you know, the covert contract that shows up. It's, exactly. If you spend this money, you're going to be okay with it if it doesn't turn out your way. Yeah, I, I'm. I definitely can see that in myself. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, when when I was married, I mean, most of the time, uh, part part of it she was working, but a lot of it she was in grad school, and and I think, you know, I I felt like that was a, a burden on us to accumulate all that debt, but you know, I wanted to support her through that. But but I also felt like she wasn't appreciative enough of it. Um, and then yeah, being single again and dating, you know, I, I recognize that now. I, I I was spending too much on on dates. Um, are you cheap you know. now? Are you cheap as fuck now? <laughs> I'm cheap as fuck. Now. <laughs> um, I'm not cheap as fuck, but I I also like I'm. I'm trying to do it as like, it's not a given that I'm going to spend money on a date. Um, you know, we, we could take a nice walk together. I have plenty of, you know, I have plenty of dates like that, you know, like something out in nature, you know, that doesn't really cost anything. It's not to be cheap, but it it is conscious of how I'm spending money and that, you know, I want to develop, more of a relationship with them before I start spending money more. I mean, I, I think that, that again, to what I was saying earlier, it's like nice guys, uh, can be, uh, not value their time and energy either. You know, we'll, we'll like, we'll give so much time and energy to a woman that isn't giving the same to us. Um, so that's something that I monitor now and I put boundaries around, you know, like my time and energy is, is valuable. I'm not just going to give that to you. I, I, I will give you more of that over time. You know, th that will be something you earn and, and that I'll earn from you too. But yeah, none of, none of it's a given. So yeah, that's so it's, good. There's so much quality in that, isn't it? You know, it's not good. I wanted to ask you guys, have you ever been shamed by women for being, uh, you know, cheap as fuck? Have you ever been shamed or been for tight or have you had, you know, been ridiculed about that? I hear, I hear it a lot, but have you guys have ever experienced that? Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was, when I was first divorced and was, uh, was dating, there were a few times where I, and I think I felt it myself more so, you know, that I kind of came off with this, um, you know, I didn't have the abundance mindset. And so I think because of that, 
you know, shamed was, you know, I think somebody said, well, I'm not sure that you can afford to date me was kind of the, the thing that I got. And, you know, that kind of hurt. And at the same time, she was probably right. Like, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing very well at that time and probably wasn't, shouldn't have been dating anyway. But, uh, but yeah, I think that again, this is, this is the point in which where a lot of times nice guys feel shame because again, it's the feminine, you know, where can she hit you the most in, and it's in your strength. So the feminine is about beauty, aesthetics, the outward appearance. The masculine is about function and doing. So if she says to a man or if a woman says to a man, you don't make enough money, it is the same thing as a man saying to a woman, yes, those jeans do make your butt look fat. It's the same kind of hit because if we attack her aesthetic or beauty that hits her shame point. And if she attacks our strength, which is our ability to provide that hits our point of, and so I think that that's where, um, you know, we have to kind of recognize that as, as men, you know, I may carry a lot of shame because I don't have a good relationship with money and that then translates over into my relationship with women. I remember, I was just going to say, remember, uh, you know, and I have story after story of this where nice guys I'm working with. And, uh, one guy comes to mind, I remember, and he was, he, he was calling in cause he was traveling and he was, tr- and, and this guy had money, had lots, lots of money. So money wasn't the issue here, but he said, He's like, yeah, the place I'm staying in, it's like this little cheap motel. It's like, you know, there's like mold in the shower and the, you know, threadbare carpet and stuff. And it's like, but it's only 40 bucks a night. And I was like, dude, if you were, if you were traveling with a woman, would you be staying in this same hotel? And he's like, hell no. I'm like, well, then why are you doing that for yourself? Why are you not treating? And I think in part, that is where our internal masculine and what Robert talks about, Dr. Glover talks about often is husbanding our feminine. In other words, we need to also be aware of how we treat ourselves and treat our feminine and be generous with our masculine to our our internal masculine to our internal feminine. And that's where things like taking care of yourself and, and um, making sure that you've got you don't have holes in your shoes and that you're, you're not staying at some flea bag hotel because it's cheap and you don't need anything more than that. You know, treat yourself. You know, <laughs> staying at a flea bag. I'm, there's a, there's so many uh, examples of, you know, how a lot of guys who don't have good self-worth would treat everybody else above them because they put them on a pedestal. And for me, actually, I'm not worthy of a good place or, or something good. And I think that there's a lot of times this, you know, transition that needs to happen is, you know, even when we're buying clothes, you know, I can, I can spot myself trying to compromise. You know, I'll, I'll just go for the basic. It doesn't really matter. And my heart is like, actually, you know, this, this is pretty, pretty decent. This is where this is quality, but I, in internal, you know, I call it like the inferiority complex where you just, be like, I'm not worthy of that one. And 
and you see that and you, women do shame you and, and you, I do I've had women shame me um and call me like oh you're too tight are oh, you too you know you're too stingy here and yet in my head what I'm doing is yes there is part of me that's very nervous about something but also but also I'm learning that I'm being a good provider here. I'm being conscious about what is excess, what is unnecessary. Also, sometimes you go over the top about this, and I'm thinking, wow, if I just relax here, how would I approach this? And one of the things that I realized was a real big kind of realization for me was <clears throat> when it came to spending, am I making a decision from a place of courage or am I making a decision from a place of cowardice? Where am I coming from? Is it a place of cowardice or is it a place of courage? Am I looking for approval? Am I looking for you know avoiding pain? Or am I avoiding, what, what am I doing here? So it's just like you said, uh, Chuck, I really like this is about becoming more conscious about the relationship you have with money because it's not the actual money. It's just the fact that there is, is there attachment going on? Is there uh, nervousness, uh, nerves going on here? It's a, money is a representation of something in your life. So it's a real good concept. Ari, I, I wanted to get from you. Have you ever been shamed about being, well, probably not being tight because you're a generous overgiver spender, which is why my birthday is coming up soon. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been um, shamed? Oh, sure. I mean, my, my ex-wife uh, definitely sh shamed me about, you know, not spending enough on clothes or sometimes with tipping i think i am a good tipper now but uh i, I probably had to grow into that um so i mean in, in some cases maybe the, the shame was a learning experience that i that i needed to actually listen to my feminine partner uh i i think it went overboard certainly but um Oh, I've definitely, I've definitely been shamed. I feel shame like about, um, about my apartment. You know, I, I rent an apartment. Um, I feel like, oh, I'm 46. I should own a place right now, but it, it hasn't been my priority. I've been investing a lot in myself in other ways. Uh, but I recognize it, it is, uh, it's a shame point. Um, and sometimes like with dating, I wonder like, well, this woman's making more than me or she owns her own place, you know, um, can I, can I date her or, or is she going to see me as, as less than? And so that's something I've, I've become conscious of. And, and also that's an opportunity for me to recognize my value, you know, that it goes beyond, uh, what I'm earning right now. I mean, I make a pretty good living. But um, it goes beyond whether I own my own place right now. So it's not like it's a good time to buy in the market anyway, you know, so that's part of me being conscious. Um, so it's really looking at the whole picture and appreciating my own self-worth. I think that that's a take home um, and not limiting my self-worth to just what I'm earning at the moment. Yeah, that's an interesting subject because I think, again, like the idea of ownership would be more of a masculine kind of thing, 
you know, where like we, we've locked it down, we own it, we, it's ours. And there's a strength and security in that. And I think that that's also translates over into like that, you know, the income thing to make enough money to like, I own this, this is my house. This is my car. This is my, you know, this is my beach house. This is my, you know, investments. These are all things that we tend to, I think from the masculine lock things down and own. And that when we don't feel that we measure up, you know, from that place of strength, right. And, and ownership again is also security. And I think one of the things that the feminine craves is our security. And so if I have ownership and security, then she's going to be attracted to that. If I don't, then she's not going to want to be with me. And it feels more like a weakness than a strength where in reality, renting an apartment you know, is probably a strength for you given where you're at in life and, and the decisions that you're making. So I think that it's one of those sort of unconscious primal driven kind of things of, of wanting to have, you know, lock things down and so that they're ours and then we have something to protect. So what do you guys think about like some takeaways? What are some takeaways that you guys might take from our conversation today that other guys listening to this might also take away? I love what Ari said about um, investing in himself because his self-worth wasn't the fact that it's, it wasn't about as a house or not, uh, but the fact that, you know, if you do go out with, you know, if you do, do date women who earn more than you, you know, I've dated women who are multi, multi-millionaires earn a lot more than I did, had a lot, have a lot more than I did. And I remember that real uncomfortable feeling until I had to get comfortable in my own skin. Because once I was comfortable in my own skin and just not realize that actually my value isn't because what I own is what I show up as and how I came up. And one of the things I realized was I invested a lot of money, like you guys as well. I invested a lot of money in myself to work that, and that has been even just like I was thinking when I was writing for this uh, podcast. I was going back in 2019. I spent nearly twenty thousand dollars. All the money I was making, all the profit I was taking for my business, I was like, okay, I'm gonna spend it back, spend it back, because I know that this is investment. This is the best return investment because my mental health improves. When my mental health improves, I become more attractive. I feel strong inside. I become a better father become a better lover, become a better person. And that to me is the most priceless thing because if my health is improving, my mental health is improving, my connections around me are improving. Because at the end of the day, when you have houses or beach house or whatever you have, you're not going to take that with you. So the only thing that you are going to take with you is, is those memories. So therefore, to me, investing in myself has been the most powerful thing the best choices. I've never regretted it. Even when sometimes I have guys thinking, well, should I take this? Or should, you know, is it this good course or should I do this? I'm thinking, no matter what you ha- happens, you'll always have some deep learning from it if you mm-hmm. take, you know, take it. So that was my takeaway. That's a great point. And I think that it is always listening to you. I'm like kind of adding up in my head, like what did I spend on personal growth last year? And it's upwards about 25 grand. You know, that I am constantly investing in myself because I want to be the best version of myself, you know? And so I'm investing in, um, my health, my wealth, my, my, my personal growth, 
And I think it's a really important thing to be able to invest money in yourself, whether that's by, you know, hiring a coach, joining a tribe, creating, you know, um, uh, joining a, a program, something along those lines, but that it's a real important thing that we do, that we grow. All right. What about you? Anything? Yeah, I, I, well, All right. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was, I was just going to piggyback on both of you guys. So I, I just, this is one of the ways that the three of us are, are alike, you know, we, we will all go the extra mile and spend the extra dollar mm -hmm. on our own personal growth and to become better coaches um, and, and expand ourselves. Like we all value that and it, it does pay dividends. Um, but you know, this is where I think some, not all nice guys, they shortchange themselves. Mm -hmm. They, 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 you know, they won't invest enough in their own personal growth. You know, you got to think about, you know, is, is getting coaching or therapy or the right men's group, is, is that going to help me get unstuck in my marriage? Great. Is that going to help me become, um, a great dater? Um, is that going to help me really expand my business? It, you know, like these things are generally worth so much more than you would pay. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, I, but I think some nice guys gets, get stuck on, on the cost of good coaching, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. Um, so, th you know, that, that's a way they can be cheap and shortchange themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and it involves taking a risk and being vulnerable and, and, uh, and trusting somebody new, all, all things that are often hard for nice guys, but th those are the things that you got to break through. Th those are the things that, um, you can actually work on in coaching. I think those are great, great points that the, the nice guys are cheap when it comes to investing in themselves. And I think that's the part from the very beginning when I was thinking about this concept of nice guys are cheap, that when it comes to themselves, investing in themselves, that they are cheap as fuck. So, all right, guys, thanks so much for the conversation today. Ari, Faisal, um, guys, stay tuned. Next week, we'll have another hot topic that, you know, will probably just change your life in ways that you didn't even imagine. Thank you so much for uh, tuning into our show. Please remember to like and subscribe. Share this content with other people if you found it helpful. And we will see you next time on The Nice Guy Show. You've been listening to The Nice Guy Show, the podcast that helps nice guys move past their insecurities and fears into the fullness of their masculine strength and confidence. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and check out the website, niceguyshow.com for more information on how to connect with Chuck and Faisal. Until next time, keep living your best life.